The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. The buzz today, very, very serious topic. Our safety, mine, yours, everyone's. It's a matter of life and death. Let's talk about it. Product safety recalls, OMG. My point of view is they're in the news so often that when we used to have reactions of shock and fear and we would check to see which model car we had or which model trike we had for our kids or what baby carrier seat or whatever we had, and now we say, what now? Another one? Uh Uh-huh. Not a good reaction. Manufacturers clearly are in need of help to identify potential safety issues sooner in a new product's life cycle. Why are they bringing these things to market if they have issues? They need to detect existing unknown issues. Yeah, a car's been out for five years and all of a sudden major brake failures. Wouldn't we have loved to have known that sooner before it happened? And they need to keep pace with increasing regulatory requirements. That's a lot on their plates. So we have a couple of questions about technology. Can advanced analytics help them proactively identify safety issues before lives are lost, before injuries are sustained? Can analytics support the launch of recall campaigns sooner rather than later? And overall, can they better protect consumers as well as, well, you might not be that interested in this, but companies still need to protect their brand while they're cleaning up whatever they should have done sooner rather than later. A lot to talk about. Join us for the next hour for A Matter of Life and Death, Advanced Analytics and Product Safety Recalls. I have a great panel for you. Let's get started. The experts speak. First up, a newcomer to Game Changers Radio. It's Rob Biscup, Director of Forensic and Dispute Services at Deloitte Financial Advisory Services. And Rob sent me a wonderful quote from Cool Hand Luke. What we've got here is a failure to communicate, bringing back an old favorite movie. Rob Biscop, welcome, and thanks for the great quote. How are you today? Hey, Bonnie. Thank you. Just fine. Glad to be here. Wonderful. So talk to me. Interesting. Tell me, bring us back to uh, the old days. Cool Hand Luke, when was it? And uh, was that Paul Newman? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess maybe I'm uh, dating uh, uh, myself and maybe all of us by that by that reference, but uh, it was a movie uh, starring... Uh, uh, Paul Newman, who uh, you'll recall was a, uh, uh, a prisoner on a chain gang who kind of rallies the troops with, uh, with great leadership. And, um, you know, I chose that particular quote uh, about failure to communicate because, you know, in this, in this day and age of data explosion, uh, you know, companies are always trying to do the right thing, uh, but, but mm-hmm. that's easier said than done. And uh, I believe that at the heart of most uh, corporate crises and, and, and things of that nature is really a breakdown in, in process or communication. 
And, uh, you know, as a contributing factor, we've got, um, you know, uh, the, the impact of the uh, Internet and social me- media uh, in terms of uh, the velocity of, of the, uh, the onset of, of crisis. So that's another area where perhaps failure to communicate effectively can, can come into play. I also Rob, thought it I was appropriate, uh, just, you know, Paul Newman, besides being a great actor, mm-hmm. did some pretty cool things, um, uh, not the least of which is uh, staying married to the same uh, person for 50 years, <laughs> which is a rare feat uh, in Hollywood these days. Um, but he also did some nice uh, philanthropy with uh, Newman's own and, and things That's like that. That's right. Yeah. He did. I was going to say no product recall on his marriage to Joanne Woodward, right? Not to be silly, but to be silly. What a great quote, Rob. What a great intro, because what we've got here is a failure to communicate. I think if we look at this whole issue of a matter of life and death product safety recalls, if somebody had communicated something or been aware of something or been paying attention while they were doing their job earlier and communicated that, we wouldn't have product safety recalls, would we, Rob? Really? Well, uh, you know, it, again, it's 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 easier uh, said than done, mm-hmm. um, and and employees, um, uh, management boards, you know, everybody's trying to do the right thing, uh, but there's expectations out there right now uh, in society, um, and and uh, you know, the average person would say, hey, you know, parents are uh, should be expected to know where their children are mm-hmm. uh, at, at all times, and and companies should be expected to know about and use the data that they possess and they, and they have on hand. The problem, though, <clears throat> is that um, the data explosion is, is moving so fast, and knowing what you have on hand is a, is a yes. constantly moving target. It's not, it's not static. And so, um, you know, you really need to continuously uh, refresh and, and, and in some cases reinvent uh, your business processes to, to keep pace. And I think the volume of data is a good thing, and we're going to be talking about that during the show. Thank you so much, Rob. Nice to meet you. And let's turn to our second panelist. He's a return guest several times, and he was the genius behind this topic and getting this wonderful panel together for us. It's Derek Snade Senior Manager, Advanced Analytics with Deloitte Transactions and Business Analytics. A lot of key words in your title there, Derek. And Derek sent me a quote from Sophocles. You know, every time we get a quote from somebody way back when, uh, we've had quotes from Plato, and we've had quotes from Cicero, and quotes from... Um, uh, I don't know, all uh, Euripides, whatever. Somebody sees that we're tweeting those quotes and they end up following me on Twitter because we have people who love those quotes. So very, very interesting. So you sent me a quote from Sophocles and we have to welcome Sophocles. It's his first time on Game Changers Radio. Woohoo! Here's the quote. Look and you will find it. What is unsought will go undetected. I think that's part of a flip side or another aspect of the quote Rob just gave us. So Derek, welcome. How are you today? Very well. Uh, nice to be with you again, Bonnie. Thank you so much. Talk to me about the quote and, and what does Sophocles mean to you? Okay. Well, uh, Bonnie, I'm actually joining you today from Berlin. Um, I was out here uh, meeting with a number of automobile executives at a conference, and mm-hmm. I can definitely tell you, you know, safety, recalls, quality, all very top of mind um, in the auto industry. Um, no surprise, obviously. But I think what's interesting is that companies across industries are becoming you know, much more concerned and doubling down on their proactive sensing strategies to try to get out in front of quality and safety issues. And, and we're seeing this across, you know, obviously automotive industry, but life sciences, food and beverage, juvenile products, 
um, electronics and consumer product goods. It, it's really something that's um, starting to become much more mainstream and common. Um, and I mm-hmm. think the reason for that is that the stakes are so high. Um, as you mentioned in your intro, I mean, people's lives are at stake here. There's a potential brand damage, um, brand damage. There's um, fines, lawsuits, all those sorts of things. So I, I think in a way, the quote that I provided is kind of my answer to your question about whether advanced analytics can help. And I, I, in my view and from what I've seen, it, it really can. Um, advanced analytics can be used to kind of mine through the big data that Rob talked about and sometimes identify issues potentially you know, months or years sooner um, just because, as the quote mentions, you're out there looking for them and then you're going to be, have a better chance to detect them. Thank you very much. Uh, I think there is some uh, taking heart and hope on the horizon here. And thank you, Derek. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about. I I think more data is better if you know what to do with it. We already mentioned this with Rob and with you, and and we're going to dive into that. So thank you very much. And Derek, again, thanks for bringing a great topic to us. And let's welcome our third panelist. He's a newbie here on SAP Radio. It's John Hack. He's a vice president in SAP's user experience and design organization. And I have a wonderful quote from John from Mitch Hedberg. And just let me tell all of you who he is. Mitch Hedberg, I just looked up, was a stand-up comedian who was born in 1968 and passed away in 2005. His name was Mitchell Lee Mitch Hedberg, an American stand-up comic known for surreal humor and unconventional comedic delivery. And we'll leave it at that. Uh, He talks about absurd elements and non sequiturs. Here's a great quote. Thank you, John, for this. An escalator can never break. It can only become stairs. You should never see an escalator temporarily out of order sign, just escalator temporarily stairs. Sorry for the inconvenience. John Hack, that's just phenomenal. John, welcome. How are you today? I'm good, Bonnie. Thank you very much. So are you a fan of the late, great Mitch Hedberg? Talk to me. Yes, um, and I was turned on to his uh, routines by my teenage son, so uh, my older teenage son, and uh, who, who loved his uh, dry delivery and his odd take on everyday life. I think that's exactly what's examined here. And, and you know, it reminds me a little bit of, um, well, Seinfeld does observational humor. And then uh, Stephen, I can't remember his last name. It escapes me. who also does those one-line observations that are such non-sequiturs. So, John, let's relate this wonderful quote. And, and Mitch Hedberg would be probably shocked that he's mentioned here on a business talk radio show. Absolutely shocked. Maybe he'll come back to life if you shock him hard enough. So, John, how did this relate to our topic of a matter of life and death? advanced analytics and product safety recalls. Talk to me. The best way to recall a product is to design a product that isn't going to hurt people. And there are a couple of different ways to go about that. First, of course, is really thinking through what the total experience is that a person is going to have with that product, not just the product from a technical perspective, but how does it get used in the real world? You know, a car is driven a certain way, uh, which is very different perhaps from you know, the specifications. People do not act rational behind the wheel of an automobile. And we have to take those kinds of behaviors of the people who use these things into account. And second, using big data to not only understand how people use it, but how the product is going to behave in the wild so that when it does uh, fail, that failure mode is not uh, deadly to the people who are using the product. Uh, And it's really important that product designers are part of the conversation around product safety and product recalls 
they need to be out front in the conversation and not just being brought in after there's a problem. Wow, that's uh, that's an end to end, a very interesting description, John. Uh, tell me something. Do you think the right? This is a terrible question, but do you think the right people are in place to design the products that can be deadly when they're used in the wild? What a picture picture you painted there. Uh, how do we get people to pay attention to this and think about total end-to-end experience? This may go back, our discussion may go away from advanced analytics at some point today to who's, who's running, who's driving the bus, they used to say, or who's minding the store. What's your observation on that? Do they get it, John? I think in some places they do, but design has typically been thought of as something that's done to the surface of a product rather than something that's intrinsic to the product uh, from the beginning. And through companies like Apple, I think there's a much greater awareness today that uh, there is a need to incorporate design as part of the holistic product, you know, from conception through manufacturing and delivery and not just something you, 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 you wrap the product in at the end. So it really comes from the top that the, 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 the senior most executives are responsible for making sure that there is a culture of, you know, thinking about product safety and design early in the process. Because other, you know, in a, in a typical product design life cycle, each person is going to focus on their area. You know, the, the, the engineer is going to be trying to meet the functional specification. And the larger picture will often get lost. It, it, it's the responsibility of the executives overseeing it to, to make that happen. Thank you very much. Wow, great insights from my three panelists. And I'm going to give you all a chance to tell us a little story about yourselves. Derek knows what's coming, but it may be a surprise for Rob and John. I'm going to ask you, because this is Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP, I'm going to ask you what's in your cup today. What are you drinking? Or tell me a story about what you wish you were drinking. So let's circle back to Rob Biscop at Deloitte. Rob, what's anything interesting in your cup, or do you want to tell me about a wishful drink? I, I, I'm going first again here, huh? You are, dear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, I do have a um, a rather decent cup of coffee in in hand right now. I I, I enjoy my uh, my roasted coffee beans, and I and I'm partial to uh, coffee beans from uh, from Hawaii. And uh, uh, right now, I'm actually drinking a variety that's called and and this is the actual name. I'm not making this up. Molokai Mule Skinner Malulani Estate Peaberry. <laughs> I, I was going to say I'm glad I'm asked, and now I'm going to say I'm sorry I asked. Wow! And what do you call it by for short? When you go into a store, what do you say? Give me the pea berry coffee, or what do you say? You you you, you say I'll have the Molokai pea berry, and and uh, and there's not much of it because um, pea berry, for as the coffee drinkers will, will tell you, is, is kind of a a rare bean. It's where the the coffee cherry um, yields only one bean instead of instead of two. So. Uh, the thing I like about the Molokai is that it's uh, it's as good as the Kona and at about half the price. <laughs> ah, I like that. A little bit of thriftiness getting great coffee. And do you drink yeah. it straight up? Straight Pardon up? Me? Do you drink it straight up? Straight straight up. And that, that's, the, that's the best way to transport oneself um, to an aloha frame of mind, which is a good oh, thing. Oh, an aloha frame of mind. We have to tweet that. Thank you, Rob. Well, you certainly set the pace for the coffee stories. Derek, you're a veteran at this. What do you think? What are you drinking? Well, uh, Bonnie, as I mentioned, I'm actually uh, calling in today from uh, Berlin, Germany, and, and 
I just had to go back to something that John mentioned about the uh, irrational ways that people drive cars. I was actually talking with a German colleague while I was out here, and he was sharing with me that he typically drives on the Autobahn going uh, U.S. equivalent of 170 to 180 miles per hour, which uh, seemed pretty crazy to me, but I guess is uh, <gasps> a little, little more common here, evidently. But, um, but yeah, it, you know, just to talk a little bit about uh, kind of a, a beverage story of mine, um, you know, I've actually been to Germany several times now, and, and one thing I really enjoy is coming out here around this time of year, um, kind of November, December time frame, because uh, you start to see a lot of the Chris Kindle markets popping up. And I mm-hmm. you know, took a little walk earlier today. It's kind of later in the day here in Germany right now, and uh, a lot of the a lot of those Chris Kindle markets were kind of popping up around town. And um, one thing that's really enjoyable is to just kind of grab one of the kind of hot mold wines that they have here, um, just really kind of warm and refreshing on a cold day, and kind of browse through the Chris Kindle markets and just kind of walk along the street and, and take in all the sites. So um, that, that would be uh, probably a favorite beverage of mine for, for later today. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Derek. Glad you're in a good place at this time of the year before all the madness back here in the States. And John Hack, I can't ask you to top those two stories, but I will. John Hack, what are you drinking today? So uh, my, my younger teenage son uh, is a significantly affected by autism and we go grocery shopping together every weekend and a week and a half ago he for some reason selected this fruit in the exotic fruit section of our uh, grocery store that was kind of like rounded at one end the size of a fist and then coming off of that were uh, about 30 bright yellow leathery fingers the size Mm. of a human finger looked kind of like a, a strange octopus and he really wanted to buy it. I had no idea what it was. We threw it in the cart. We got home. Of course, my older teenager said, oh, that's Buddha's hand. Like, everybody knows that. And we discovered uh, uh, that it is like a lemon rind, but without the bitterness. And unfortunately, you know, everybody in the family came down with a cold a week and a half ago. And so I have been drinking uh, Buddha's hand sliced in hot water with honey. So that's what's in my cup this morning. Wow. Well, that's a first. You certainly brought us, you brought us first Mitch Hedberg, and now we have Buddha's hand. I'm going to have to tweet about that. By the way, I'm tweeting madly and, and uh, sanely, but madly here at hashtag SAP Radio, tweeting what my guests are saying, their words of wisdom, what they're drinking. So if you all want to join me out there with some comments or questions, I will be reading the live chat stream at hashtag SAP Radio. Guess what? My panelists have earned a break. Yes, they've been working very hard here on our opening segment. Very important topic today, a matter of life and death, advanced analytics and product safety recalls. Basically, we're asking the question, how can technology help? There you go. My panelists are Rob Biscup at Deloitte and Derek Snadev, also at Deloitte, and John Hack at SAP. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. When we come back, we're going to have a 30-minute roundtable nonstop, kicking it off with, you know, Rob, you're up first. Rob Biscup can't help it. That's the way the that's the way the cookie falls here. That's the way the pea berry tumbles. So, Brad, take us out, and we'll be right back in 90 seconds. Brad, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. There we go. Welcome back. Our topic is a matter of life and death. We're talking about product safety recalls. How can advanced analytics help manufacturers sift through all that huge volume of big data and understand it and use it to benefit you and me and our loved ones in terms of understanding how their products will act and react to human touch in the wild, as one of my guests said earlier in the opening segment. It's time now for our roundtable. We're going to go nonstop for, it looks like, about 25 minutes, opening up with Rob Biscup. I'll spell his name so those of you who know. It's B-I-S-K-U-P. He's a director of Forensic and Dispute Services at Deloitte Financial Advisory Services, LLP. So Rob is going to talk to us about, let's see, I'm looking at your notes here, Rob. Let's find a good place to start the roundtable. Okay, you told me. Putting aside cases of intentional wrongdoing, and we're not going to discuss those, at the heart of most corporate crises is human error, a breakdown in process or communication, which you also call information flow. And then you add, increasingly, having the capability to both understand and manage big data is critical to avoiding breakdowns. Rob, why don't you get us started, please? Sure. Yeah, you, you know, Bonnie, I think just... Simply, if you if you flash back, you know, 20, 30 years ago, um, uh, you know, we had uh, more manual processes um, in place in the business world, and and today we we have fewer manual processes. We we do fewer phone calls. Um, this one aside, I suppose, uh, we have fewer meetings. Mm. Um, we we do more emails. We 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 generate more data, and. Even apart from those kind of business interactions, um, you know the the pace of innovation with the the global marketplace and competition, and the the, the desire to enhance the customer experience by interacting with consumers, all of this taken together is resulting in the generation of new data sources every day, both. Mm-hmm inside companies and externally on the on the web and social media and and these data sources the which are all uh, you know non-homogeneous of all different uh, shapes and sizes in many instances you know can touch upon product performance field experience customer satisfaction customer indications so these are these are the data points that are out there today and they're not in a file cabinet in the quality office they're they're everywhere and that's why 
this is not an easy challenge to tackle. Mm. And the fact that we have so many products and people want so much new stuff, I put quote marks around the word stuff, Rob, makes it even more imperative to understand it better because we just want more things to buy and use and say, look what we have and look how advanced we are. Would you say that, that the consumer demand is part of the problem is that manufacturers have to keep innovating and inventing and launching new products when they're still dealing with issues with old ones. Do you think that's one of the issues? I, 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 think, I think consumer um, uh, input interaction uh, is driving innovation. The, the enhanced customer experience is, is, is driving the, the generation of additional data. I don't, I don't view consumer interaction demand as, uh, uh, as, as, as a problem, uh, so mm-hmm. to speak. It, it just is what it is, and, and it, it's always existed. It's always created business opportunities. It's just changed the medium, and it's changed the velocity, and it's changed the, um, uh, the, the accompanying challenges of, of, of managing, understanding, and using those communications and data in a way that uh, uh, results in um, uh, appropriate monitoring of uh, field performance. Thank you. Derek Snadeff, why don't you join us? Thoughts? Yeah, I, I would just to add on to uh, what Rob mentioned, I, you know, I think as I look at kind of the information flows that are out there, I mean, you certainly have the, the voice of the customer data, whether that's from, you know, surveys or, um, you know, contacts with the customer call center. Um, you have kind of the flood of information that's out there across different social media channels, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, Facebook or Twitter. And then, you know, internal data sources, too, that the company may have, you know, depending on the industry, whether it's maybe warranty data or, um, other kind of product launch data. And the challenge is that the needles are out there, um, you know, but how do you go about actually finding them um, is what the real challenge can be. And so just to kind of go back to my original quote, that, that's the importance of advanced analytics. Uh, one thing that it can do is really help you identify, you know, the true signal from all the noise that's out there, um, which can be a real challenge for, for companies. Um, but then also, you know, you find there's a lot of kind of scary chatter out there when you start really mining and going through all the different information flows. Um, so analytics can also help with, you know, what should I really take action on? What's important? You know, how should I prioritize um, some of the things that I'm seeing? So, um, you know, what we've seen in working with some of our clients is, you know, the important thing is really being able to provide information that someone can make a decision upon at the time when they need to make a decision. And that's going to vary by industry. Um, some industries, you've got to act very quickly. I um, mean, you know, like if you're in the food and beverage industry and there's a problem with, you know, milk or vegetables, I mean, you can't wait, you know, weeks or months to be able to do something. You've got to act very quickly. And given the velocity at which those products are being purchased, you know, catching it mm-hmm. a day, two, three days sooner, you know, could save countless lives. Whereas you take something like maybe the auto industry, you know, you might have kind of a longer window there and things may start to, kind of wear down or, or break over a longer period of time. Um, so you might be able to kind of find those more quickly. Um, but, you know, any, any quicker that you can do this in terms of finding the issues and, and you're kind of putting the brakes on them or potentially launching a recall, um, just the, the stakes are so high. It can save so many lives, you know, save so many dollars um, and protect the brand so much that your know, companies really find that it's worth it. Thank you. John Hack, talk to us. Thoughts? Uh, two thoughts. Uh, with regards to human error, it's important to recognize that often in these systems, 
both you know within companies and outside of companies, the motives of the different players are often at odds. So you know, protecting the brand and uh, promoting a recall are you know, it, it's hard to do both at the same time. Uh, it's been done successfully, but many are afraid of you know somehow tainting the brand by making a large recall uh, available to the press. And you know, likewise with the GM uh, safety issues, there were people inside the organization who didn't feel that it would be a career-advancing move to raise the issue when they knew that it needed to be raised. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, big data can help identify not only uh, the, you know, where all the problems are, but they can also, uh, by in the, going to the Sophocles quote, if we're looking for these, you know, different motivations that could prevent action that's needed, that too is an application of the analytics that would be very helpful to improving product safety and expediting recalls that need to be done. I I think, Bonnie, can I say something? I Mm -hmm. I think that the perception around recalls, uh, though, is is changing rapidly, and I don't think that... um, in, in my view, that it's that, that it's the, the the public and reputational black eye that it that it may have been uh, mm-hmm. some some time ago. To the contrary, I think the you know the the, the larger um, black eye and, and bruising um, you know can come from uh, not uh, not undertaking appropriate uh, action um, on on behalf of a product when it's not performing up to expectations that's what that's what um, that's what the public is looking for they're looking for you know transparency and action and and uh, an appropriate uh, uh, responsibility good point john you do have more you want to say yeah and i and it, it goes directly to that point which is when the company needs to reach out to the public to make them aware of a safety issue or to issue a recall how do you know who to reach in, in automobiles, there's very comprehensive ownership data, and companies know how to reach the, the people who own the vehicles. In consumer products, food, it's very hard to know who to reach. And this is a huge opportunity for big data to allow for very focused recall campaigns. There's so much noise. How do you get to be the headline on Fox, CNN, and you know the other news outlets for a safety recall. Otherwise, if you're not broadcasting to everyone, you have to know where your audience is. You have to be able to direct that information to just the right people by monitoring social media, by understanding buying patterns, focused campaigns about safety awareness and recalls can be undertaken in a way that both are more effective and have a you know, less of an impact on the brand. And, and I think that's a huge opportunity in, in big data and analytics for, for safety. Agree. Thank you. Rob, do you have anything you want to say to wrap up this before I look at some notes from Derek? Any thoughts? No. No, I, I, I think we've covered that well. 
Okay, good. Thank you. Let's take a slightly different turn here. I'm looking at notes from Derek Snadoff, also at Deloitte. Uh, Derek, I'm going to read this statement, your, your second talking point. Let's talk about it. You say manufacturers across several industry sectors, and we're talking about automotive, life sciences. We did a show on pharma issues last week on counterfeit drugs, big topic. Food and beverage, juvenile products, electronics, and consumer product goods find their products facing new levels of scrutiny by government agencies as well as consumer advocates, the media, and the general public. And we all know social media has given everybody a voice, a big voice, a loud voice, if you have enough followers and know how to reach new followers. Let's talk about government scrutiny. I'd like to focus on that. Derek, want to start this for us? Sure, yeah. Um, So really across all of those different industries that you mentioned, there's various government regulators that oversee um, you know, the industries, whether it's NHTSA, whether it's the Food and Drug Administration, um, basically there, there are government agencies that are focused on making sure that products are safe for consumers. And increasingly what we're seeing is that those regulators, those regulators are taking more aggressive postures and expecting more of companies um, in terms of ensuring the public safety. Um, so in, in that backdrop where there are these increasing consumer regulator expectations, um, that's where, you know, being more proactive about identifying potential quality or safety issues takes on such increased importance. Thank you. John Hack, thoughts about this? The software industry, which is where I work, doesn't really have a lot of government oversight. And one of the risk areas that I see going forward is the embedding of software into a huge number of products that currently do not have software embedded in them, Uh, thermostats and uh, other household objects. Uh, Cars are, to a large degree, you know, they, they have many processors and a lot of embedded software. And, uh, you know, there is a real risk that the software is someday going, and, and I know this has happened with, uh, with, with the vehicles already, where the software is really an important part of the problem. And I don't think the software industry today is thinking about the risk of having government regulation and oversight of software development practices. And I would submit that a lot of companies in this sector are not ready for that level of oversight, and they've never had to have that level of audit. It's going to be a big challenge, I think, for going forward as more and more products become you know, software-enabled. Very interesting. Um, it takes me back to Derek's quote, look, and you will find it, what is unsought will go undetected. And the question is, who in these agencies, how do they know what to look for? Uh, Rob Biscop, let's get you on this thought. Um, regulation, huh? Um, yeah, huh? Uh, I, I guess it's a healthy thing taken in moderation, right? <laughs> um, that, that, although I don't think that's what you're asking me. Um, you know, I think we're going to see across industries, of course, that, uh, you know, regulation, regula- regulation has been around for, uh, you know, 240 years. It's been a part of the, um, the legal fabric of our um, country, and it will continue to fill uh, vacuums and, and perceived um, gaps or voids in the either the ability or the inclination of of companies to self-regulate so one of the things you know we're seeing in the media right now is this area around near space travel 
what, what, what they're calling near space travel, and that is the, the privatization of this particular sector. And uh, as, as you and our listeners know, um, you know, there's been recent accidents in this area and discussion around possible increased regulation uh, in the area of near space travel, which, which presents a very interesting thing when, when, when you're talking about regulating in an activity that, by definition, is inherently extraordinarily dangerous and, uh, and is uh, intended to, you know, push the bounds of, of human innovation. Um, so, you know, regulation is, is always going to be around, and certainly, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a factor in, uh, in driving um, behaviors in the area of, of product compliance. But separately, putting that aside, what I would say is that, you know, companies have a lot of incentive in this area to, to self-regulate um, product safety, product quality, product satisfaction, I mean, those are all those are all things that 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 resonate, um, you know, very positively with 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 consumers. Those are those those form the basis for for buy decisions. And so, um, you know, I, I I don't think that most companies are are waiting around, you know, for regulators to to drag them to the party. I think, as I say, there's a lot of incentive to to self-regulate and to um, and to and to make safe products and to make good products and to you know, monitor their performance. I think what we're dealing with here is is just a challenge that is you know, inherently very, very difficult, and and it's not getting easier. It certainly is, and it certainly isn't getting easier. Derek, you want to wrap up this topic for us before I move on, please? Yeah, just the point that I would add is, uh, you know, I, I like the kind of composition of the panel we have here because I think really at the end of the day, when you're, you know, if you're trying to really do the best job possible as a company of keeping the public safe, making high-quality, safe products. I mean, you really do need to approach this, you know, kind of from an end-to-end perspective. And, you know, John definitely brings the perspective around, well, how do you design the products from the beginning such that they're safe? And, you know, and and that's obviously a critical foundational element. And then the idea is you do need a backstop, though, in terms of, you know, a proactive sensing capability to, you know, look for the things that maybe, you know, have escaped you or that you weren't able to catch during the design phase so that, you know, issues that, you know, could have been caught small and early don't become large and, and major problems. So, you know, really the, probably the right strategy here is, is a combination that spans the full spectrum. Thank you. I'm going to move to the consumer side of our conversation. John Hack, I'm looking at some very interesting notes you sent me. I want to read several of them, John, so just bear with me for a moment, please, and then have you dive in, and then we will have Rob and Derek join you on this topic. So, John says, companies have difficulty locating and communicating with customers who own and use their products. That's statement number one. Statement number two, most consumers don't want a quote-unquote relationship with companies that make products they use. They expect sales and marketing to use their contact information for promotions, not for their benefits. Companies need to notify consumers when a product is defective. Statement number three, to date, manufacturers have largely ignored the opportunity to transform sharing of contact information into a great experience. It's a hard problem. And number four, major recalls are splashed on the news, damaging brands. Lesser safety issues remain unknown to most consumers, creating risk to consumers and the brand. I know I threw a lot on the table here, John, but where would you like to start? I think we have a lot of opportunities for a good conversation here. I'll turn it over to you. A lot of this came from some uh, research that we did 
uh, actually watching consumers take products out of boxes and assemble them, furniture, gas grills, and so forth. And we really wanted to understand how do consumers interact with the products that they purchase. And one of the things that we noticed right off the bat is they, at a glance, anything that looks like a warranty registration card or a, you know, promotional item, they just throw it aside. They go directly Mm. for the instructions on how to assemble (laughs) because they just want to enjoy the product. They don't want to think about, you know, I need to make the company aware that, you know, if something goes wrong, they need to be able to get in touch with me. And consumers are, when in our interviews, their follow-up interviews, they really uh, have been spammed so significantly that they don't trust most companies with their personally identifying information. Now, of course, there are other ways for that information to be gathered, but what we have here is a, is a disconnect between the consumers and the need for them to be protected. And so, you know, we, you know we're, we're trying to figure out ways to, to make the consumer experience of engaging the company around safety issues and around product quality issues a really positive engaging one where it doesn't feel punishing for the consumer to be part of this process. Very interesting. John, let me ask you a personal question. Do you throw away the registration card or do you go online and register your product there or do you skip that process? I pretty much skip that process. You do. Rob Biscop, I have to ask you. We're doing a little a little uh, up close and personal here. What do you do when you get a, a card, a registration card in a product box? I don't think I see them that often anymore, to be honest with you, buddy. Ah, <laughs> I think, interesting. I, I think it depends how much I pay for the product. Oh, interesting. And do you read all the directions or do you just go right to the plugging it in and using it, honestly? <laughs> I, I, I do what I need to do. How's that for a, uh... <laughs> <laughs> We're tap dancing. This is the I tap know, dancing that, game changer show. You. And that's exactly yeah, what our research shows everyone does. Yeah. Really? You know, and- you know, Bonnie, I think we've got something else going on here too. I mean the the way the way I come at this this information issue and you know, throwing away the warranty cards and, and things like that is um, you know, I I think with, with the power of the internet and, and the power of social media, what we what we see here is a is a power shift from the from the uh, manufacturers to the consumer in the sense that the consumer um, has the ability, the desire, the need, and and the intention to control the manner of communication. So, you know, my 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 point of view is that is that you know it, it it's not that the commu- consumer doesn't want a relationship with the manufacturer. To the contrary, I would I would argue that you know consumers want a relationship. Um, you know, more more so now than than you know ever before. They want to know mm-hmm. exactly, you know, like me, uh, what 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 particular farm that coffee bean uh, came from on on Maui. Um, you know, there's 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 a there's a lot of interest and energy around um, you know sustainability and the supply chain mm-hmm. and 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 child labor and 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 food source origin and and textile textiles or, origin and um, uh, uh, proper environmental, um, you know, d- management and disposal, and, and other forms of corporate uh, social responsibility. So, so consumers care about these things. They care about, you know, the, the 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 source, the origin of the raw materials that go into the things that they consume and they buy and they use, and 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 they care about. 
um, you know, how the manufacturer, uh, you know, monitors um, those types of things in a, in a, in a responsible manner. It's, it's just, you know, because of this, this, this shift we have in, in preferences around communication that, you know, companies need to recognize that and adapt. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier around the proliferation of, of data sources. You know, you may still get, you know, 40% of the people who fill out the warranty card and send it in, you know, by putting a stamp on it and dropping it in the mailbox mm-hmm. the good old-fashioned way. But what about the other 60%? You've got to be looking beyond the warranty cards and, and, and finding where the other nuggets of information reside. All right, Derek Snader, if you're up, are you the 40% or 60%? Do you send in the registration cards or just go right to the let's start using the product? What do you think? Yeah, you'd be lucky to even get me looking at the instructions, much less the warranty <laughs> card. So, yeah, I'm in, I'm in that group. Okay. Thoughts on the consumer wanting relationships and the fact that consumers are, they don't want to be contacted because anything's wrong, because why would they buy your product in the first place, the second place, or the last place if they expected it was going to, oh, I hate to say this, injure them, make them sick, kill their family member, disable them? Why in the world would they even think about it? So what are your thoughts on that, Derek? Yeah, I'd I'd actually bring in another dimension to this because that's right. Consumers don't want to be bothered, you know, with information about recalls and things like that. Um, so I think, you know, you know, kind of when you look at all the different dimensions we're talking about here, designing safe products, if there is an issue, finding it quickly, um, how do you contact the customers that, you know, have this particular product? I think, I think another critical dimension is, you know, how do you only contact the customers that really have the product that is defective? Because, um, uh-huh. you know, you often see recalls are launched for, you know, if it's the auto industry, it's a whole model line. Um, or perhaps it's, you know, just recently the news, McDonald's was in there for one of the toys in, in the Happy Meals. You know, how, you know is it, and, and in some cases that is the right call, you know, to basically bring them all back in because all the products, you know, could be tainted or defective in some way. Um, but there, there's also some very famous case studies of, you know, using analytics and data mining, being able to really, you know, take the, take cars as an example, be able to really drill in and say, well, hey, I don't have to recall this entire model line because really the problem emanated out of this one manufacturing plant or in this small build window, um, you know, with this particular part, you know, of these different serial numbers. And, and, you know, and in doing so, able to really limit the scope of a recall to, you know, maybe a much smaller number than, you know, it otherwise would have been. Um, so I think when you talk about, you know, how do you not burden consumers, you know, one good way to do that is to really focus, you know, the recall on just, you know, those consumers that may actually be affected by the defective product. Uh, thank you. And I'm looking at your notes, Derek, and you call it, you come right out and call it a recall analytics program. You say it can provide insights to support a root cause investigation, determine the scope and scale of the recalled products, and keep pace with changing regulatory requirements and analyze the effectiveness of the recall management process. Sounds like it might also help you figure out exactly which consumers to notify rather than a, just a huge, vast, uh, okay, if you ever bought this car in the last 15 years, maybe you are the one with the problem. And, and Derek, that brings up the question. I'm just going to pose this one, brings up the question, if uh, if you sell your car as a used car on the market and you're the one they target with the product recall and you don't have it, it might be the question of is the burden on the person to notify somebody who bought the car and find out to whom they sold it. So we've got a trickle-down effect. Interesting, Derek? Yeah, uh, 
certainly. Um, you know, and that, and that goes back to what we were discussing about just you know the challenge in really tracking down the right consumer because you know products can pass from one hand to another. Um, you know, how do you make sure that the right consumer gets um, the information they need about a particular product? So, I mean, that can definitely be a challenge. And 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 from the you know from the company's perspective, a challenge too is you know, okay, I, I've launched a recall and I think I've done the right thing to try to you know, uh, uh, protect my consumers. But how can I really monitor and make sure that, you know, the safety issue has gone away? Um, and, mm-hmm. and so that's another imp- important kind of, you know, almost like, you know, maybe a fifth or sixth dimension to this. Um, you know, once I've launched a recall, how do I make sure that it was actually effective? You know, I, I got to the root cause and, and now I'm no longer seeing that, that type of issue. So, um, you know, there, there's just many challenges here for companies you know, all the way from the design stage, all the way to making sure that the recall was effective um, to really protect the consumer. Yeah, I, I, right. I think that yep. I think that the the downstream ownership issue, um, you know, in, is is somewhat mm-hmm. mitigated with things like cars, trucks, uh, boats, and snowmobiles and motorcycles by uh, state uh, registration data that can be accessed uh, and 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 leveraged for purposes of field campaigns and customer notification. I think where it gets a little bit more difficult is when you start talking about uh, consumer products like, uh, you know, lawnmowers and, and, and tractors and washing machines and things like that. Thank you. And eBay and garage sales, but I digress. Guess what? My panel has earned, you've worked so hard, you have earned a break. We're going to go out for just about 90 seconds, and when we come back, we're going to have a quick crystal ball predictions round. Rob, you are up again first, my friend. So it'll be Rob Biscup, Derek Snadiff, and John Hack. I'm going to ask you all to fast forward in your crystal ball to the year 2020 or any future time where you can see clearly. And tell me what do you think will be happening in that future date with advanced analytics and product safety recalls. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to a live edition. Actually, this is episode number 159 in our series called Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. We'll be right back after the break. You don't want to miss the predictions. Brad out. The business community's first choice in internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. 
Here we go, and it's time for our predictions round. We call it the crystal ball. I'm going to ask Rob Biscop at Deloitte. Rob, what year or day, month, week, or minute can you see in the crystal ball? And why don't you give us your predictions on what's going to happen in the future with advanced analytics impacting product safety recalls? Rob Biscop, go. Sure, Bonnie. I, I think I'll leave some of the technical observations to uh, uh, Derek and John uh, in mm-hmm. keeping with my, my role here as big picture guy. <laughs> Um, okay. And I'm going to fast forward maybe 25 years, and you know I, I think we're good, this this is still going to be an issue, uh, and it's going to um, continue to increase. Um, you know I did not um, do um, a lot of research or preparation for this discussion, as uh, as is apparent to any listener. But what I did have a look at um, is a study that was done in 2010 by Thomson Reuters. And this study was, was very interesting because uh, they, they pointed out that in 1980, uh, 95% of average corporate value consisted of tangible assets as opposed to intangible. Um, but today, only 25% of a company's um, uh, market cap or value uh, consists of tangible assets, the other 75% being intangible. So if you translate that into simple English, what that means is your most valuable asset is your good name, your brand, your reputation. And this subject goes directly to those three things, uh, your good name, your brand, your reputation. And if you want to know what that's worth, take your market cap and multiply it by 0.75, according to this study, and that gives you a pretty good uh, uh, barometer of what you're trying to protect here. I think the other thing we're going to see um, uh, uh, continuing is, is this exponential um, uh, explosion in, in data growth, and, and most of that, I think, is going to be, continue to be driven by, by innovation. Uh, because there's opportunity out there, there's 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 need, and and when there's opportunity and need, uh, that's when business steps in and and sets out the vision, sets out the you know the challenge, the moonshot, and mm-hmm. and comes up with the um, with the ideas, the invention, uh, the the creative solutions, which in turn you know generate new forms of of data uh, creation and and data application. So. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to continue to see this. And then I think the third piece of it is the one we touched upon, you know, in the, um, in the regulatory space. Regulation is, is, is not going to go away. It's going to continue to fill, uh, you know, vacuums and, and gaps where, um, where, where, there, where the self-regulation has not been uh, complete. And I think we'll even see, um, you know, continued, uh, continued increase in um, uh, on the international level of, of what I would call maybe quasi-regulation, not official regulation, but mm-hmm. cross-border government cooperation on, you know, things like uh, uh, the war on terrorism, uh, extremist uh, situations, uh, drug cartels, human trafficking, uh, you know, environmental issues, corporate social responsibility. These will all contribute to the data explosion Thank as well. Thank you, Rob. We are almost out of time. Derek, one-minute predictions. Go. Okay, I'll give you uh, two, Bonnie. Uh, one to pick up off uh, where Rob was going with the explosion mm-hmm. of data. But I, I see, you know, maybe give this 10 years that there will be much more sensor data available. Um, so you're starting to see this in the auto industry yes. where you've got the onboard diagnostic data, you know, that's going to be your leading indicator for safety issues. And, and I could see that kind of moving into some other, you know, CPG, I mean, perhaps even uh, 
you know, medical uh, kind of applications as well, or life science applications. And then the, the second one would be about greater collaboration and information sharing across companies, because what you see is there's a lot of common suppliers, uh, you know, throughout industries. And so I think there'll be a drive towards, you know, hey, if somebody finds an issue in, you know, with a particular supplier's, you know, parts or equipment, um, that there'll be kind of knowledge sharing and collaboration so that everybody in the industry that might be sharing that same, you know, supplier can kind of quickly get in front of a, a potential safety or recall issue. Thank you, Derek. John Hack, I can give you 30 seconds predictions. Go. Sorry. Talk. Objects are going to have embedded intelligence, and they're going to be talking to each other. This is the Internet of Things. Your thermostat is going to be controlled by your CO monitor, so if you've got a, a problem in the house, it can turn off the furnace. This is very cool. However, that we are going to see a new class of product failures related to the interactions of the objects in our houses, on the streets, and the things that we wear. Thank you, John Hack. I have to do shout-outs to Rob Biscup and Derek Snader, both at Deloitte, John Hack at SAP. Thank you to my colleagues at SAP, Brian Reeves, for the introduction, Chris Mark, Carla, Sar- Carla Salazar, Brad and the Business Channel team getting us on the radio. I'll be back this afternoon with a new edition of The Customer Edge with Game Changers, and tomorrow morning I'll be back with the future of business. There we go. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? And I hope your seatbelt does not have a product safety recall on it. Go out and be a game changer today. Today, talk to you later on the Customer Edge with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.